0: Welcome, listeners, to another episode of Listen, Learn, and Love, hosted by Richard Osler. My guest on today's podcast in my home is my friend Andrew White. Welcome to the podcast, Andrew.
1: Thank you so much, Richard, um, for having me, and it's an honor to be here.
0: This is going to be a really brave, um, tender podcast. I've been looking forward to this. Um, Andrew has gone through He's a convert to the church, he served a mission. He went to BYU and he had incredible painful experiences as a gay latter-day saint along the way, which led him to leave the church. And um, that sort of makes sense to me, given um, the nature of his experiences. We visited a couple months ago before we recorded this podcast in May, and he told me more of his story. But as part of his story, he told me he was getting rebaptized, and that indeed did happen. He'll talk about that. It, he was rebaptized on June 10th, 2023. We're recording this podcast on his 29th birthday on July 2nd. Happy birthday, Andrew.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Um, so, this is, you know, Andrew said the prayer before we started, and it was a really heartfelt prayer. And part of the reason he wanted to do this podcast is to help younger um, LGBTQ people that may be walking a similar road and maybe feeling feelings of not worth or suicide or having difficult things happening around them, even potentially from their own faith community, and how he navigated that. I told Andrew before we recorded, if I had gone through the things he had gone through, I'm not sure I would ever come back to the church. Um, and um, But yet Andrew has figured out a way to do that. And that may not be everybody's story, but I recognize a lot of people Have what I would call church generated trauma. And the source of their pain comes from the church that they have a testimony of. And that gets really complicated. And a lot of those people still have a fundamental testimony of the restored doctrine, but want to get through the church generated trauma. And Andrew's been able to do that. It's probably not completely at the finish line. He'll probably talk about how he can still get triggered. Um, But it's just a remarkable story. Um, One of the bravest men I know with one of the most remarkable stories so he's just going to go linear he's 29 he's probably going to talk about joining the church serving a mission going to byu Mm -hmm. getting kicked out of byu leaving the church and um, his road to join the rejoin the church and be rebaptized and wonderful people along the way that have helped him is that okay for an introduction andrew
1: yes that's that's perfect introduction and thank you so much for having me
0: so i'll just let you talk
1: Again, thank you so much for having me and inviting me into your home and allowing me to to share um, my story. Um, I hope it'll be of benefit to um, someone out there. Um, tell us,
0: I'm interrupting you, but I tell us your station in life, your, um, what you're doing with your professional career and where you live.
1: So currently I am living in Kansas City, Missouri, and I am um, in my last year, my fourth year of dental school and um uh, next may i will graduate and be a, a doctor of dental surgery a dentist and um practicing dentistry and and serving people in in that capacity as as my career
2: that's awesome um
1: so i'll just go down the, the line i was um going to talk about my story in a linear fashion and. I have a testimony um, from from life experiences and um, from my understanding of of doctrine from the Church of Jesus Christ of latter day saints that the very beginning wasn't wasn't my childhood, it wasn't my journey into the church um, it, it starts well before that um with the belief in a
2: premortal existence. And um, with this belief, I, I have received a
1: lot of comfort in, in recent um, months and over the years, knowing that my savior and um, my heavenly father and my heavenly mother, my heavenly parents um, knew me. Um, Outside of outside of the the Latter Day Saint faith, um, many Christians believe that that um, before the womb, um, Christ knew us, but not on the, the level of um, not on the level that we discuss in, in the Church of Jesus Christ the Latter Day Saints um, in recent months. I, I've been comforted by knowing um, that we are all together in the premoral existence, that the, the Savior, um, our, our eldest brother, Jesus Christ, he volunteered to
2: make the ultimate sacrifice and to 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 give his all
1: that he may understand all of his brothers and sisters, all of the children of our heavenly parents. And in recent months, I have developed my own belief that after seeing Christ volunteer to do such a miraculous and extraordinary thing, I wonder if, if we felt compelled to to volunteer ourselves to do something, knowing that we would never measure up, but at least try to. Um, And and with that, um, I, I wonder if we volunteered to make certain sacrifices in this life that we may be able to understand Some of God's children, um, since Christ made the ultimate sacrifice to understand all of of our heavenly parents' children, um, looking back throughout
2: my life and seeing the experiences that I've had, good, bad, and ugly,
1: I I know that there are certain aspects of my life that would have
2: never happened, and people I would have never met had my life not come with the trials or the um, events that that it did.
1: Um, this has given me peace because I have finally come to realize that what I thought for years was a curse or a plague of
2: being attracted to the same gender and being gay has put me in amazing um, places
1: and and in contact with wonderful people such as yourself. And um, for that, I'm eternally grateful. Um, I I know that there are countless people I would have never met had my life been heteronormative or simpler. Um,
2: So so with that has come healing. Um, I'm also extremely grateful um, for the foundation that was laid
1: for my life before I was even born, um, Christ's ministry and setting the example of what it is to, to love unconditionally, to, to love everyone. Um, no matter what you're going through, Christ loves you and he taught that. Um, that has laid a foundation for my life as well as the restoration um being performed and i believe the restoration of the gospel is still ongoing at this time but the restoration as we know it as um members of the church of jesus christ of latter day saints this has been a profound foundation for my coming into this world and I I have an immense amount of
2: gratitude for the, the early pioneers and leaders of the church that gave everything they had with all their heart with the possibility and not knowing if they would ever see um, the fruits of their labors.
1: I also have an immense amount of gratitude and
2: owe um, so much to those that have, have caused
1: societal changes, um, especially within the United States prior to my life um those that, that fought for for civil rights um for all people in in the 50s and the 60s and um, the lgbtq individuals that
2: came before me that stood up for equality and
1: to be accepted in society and i I know we haven't reached, um, we haven't reached Zion yet. But um, I am extremely grateful for those that that have um, paved a way for me, um, both
2: spiritually and in um, in this country I call home. Um, my my childhood. Um, had a, had a
1: profound effect and in, in molding of me. Um, I, I was born in Southern Missouri and at a young age of three, my parents separated and had a divorce um, and a custody battle that ensued for most of my childhood. Um,
2: i owe so much to my my father my dad who is the strongest most caring loving human being i've ever met and i'll get more to that later but um just how much love he gave and i have one other sibling an older sister um the strength he had through what i have viewed as
1: one of the worst custody battles um that i've seen
2: um but from a young age of of five I felt different I felt um, my earliest memory of
1: um, of same sex attraction or or being attracted to those um, um, of my age and and gender um, was five years old and i I have
2: the the distinct memory of of that. Um feelings of of being an
1: outcast, feelings of being different and and unwanted um these were these were hard to deal with as a child, and
2: I, I feel like they're hard for anyone to deal with, but especially in one's youth um, looking back i The memories are the memories are clear, but it's almost like watching someone else's life, or or watching watching a movie in a movie theater, and and then trying to recall the events. Um, I I was surrounded by. Both confusion
1: as as a as a young child, um, but immense love from from my father, who um, later met and and married um, a, a wonderful woman that I now call mom. Um, there were um, there were times throughout my my life, though, that I. I didn't think I would be accepted by my family. Um, subtleties from watching television or movies and comments made um, around, around the house or um, at family gatherings and, and amongst friends that um, I didn't think when I came out um, that I would I would be welcomed or accepted um i was raised baptist in the baptist church um and um the woman that um my biological mother um her family is baptist um devout baptist and um this is how my sister and i were raised until my um and,
2: and i remained baptist until i was Around fourteen, fifteen, um, there there were many obstacles and trials throughout my
1: childhood. Um, though I feel healthy and great now, I have had um, a number of of hardships and health battles um, throughout my childhood and In some ways, those led me to um,
2: the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Um, When I was 15 years old, I was questioning, um, similar to how
1: Joseph Smith was, which religion was true, if any of them.
2: And... I was also coming to a realization um, unwillingly um, receiving
1: the realization um, of my attraction to the
2: same sex. And this was very difficult as a 15-year-old starting high school. Um, when I was, or I guess when I was, what led
1: me to the church was when I was um, 14, um, to my memory, within about a, a year's time, my um, mat- um, paternal um, grandmother, my grandma, um, was diagnosed with brain cancer. And I was diagnosed with oral cancer. Um, my father with, um, with um, a form of oral and throat cancer. Um, there was a lot going on in our family um, health-wise um, and, and outside of our health as well. Um, this was an extremely trying time for us. And I'm also coming to terms with with being gay and starting high school. Um, sadly my my grandmother, um, Elaine White,
2: she did not um, she did not beat her fight against cancer. Um, and but I'm I'm extremely happy that she is at peace and and no longer in pain. Um, What what kind of started my journey
1: into the church was actually her funeral. Um, At her funeral, um, like I said, I, I was raised Baptist. I had... To my memory, never heard of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints or um, grew up in the Bible Belt. Everyone was, most everyone was Baptist or Methodist or non-denominational at her funeral. Um, she was so beautiful, buried in her, um, her in temple um, clothing. And I was quite startled. Um, I I did not understand what she was wearing or why, um, so and I also didn't understand why the funeral was being conducted and led by a gentleman that wasn't part of the family that we didn't know. Um, later to come, uh, later to find out, it was her bishop. Um, but I I asked my my dad um, what it was, and he he told me that. She was a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Um, I, I had never known that. Um, flashback before I was born, um,
2: my, um, my grandma, um, my grandma White, was um,
1: divorced from her. She divorced her first husband and um, met my grandpa White who was, um, was born in Ogden, Utah and had joined the Navy, had generations of ties to the church. Um, they had gotten married. My grandpa, White, um, was my, my dad and my aunt's stepfather, and he adopted
2: them. Um, and years later... Um, they, he decided to
1: come back to church, and met with the missionaries. Had his wife, my grandma, and my my dad and my two aunts um, meet with the missionaries, and um, they believed in the church and they were baptized, and um, converted to the church. And at at that time, I believe the nearest temple to. Missouri was the Salt Lake City Temple, and so they traveled by car out to Salt Lake to be sealed. Um, I I had never known this until until after my grandmother's passing. um, For reasons that some of the reasons I know, and many reasons I don't know, um, my my um, father stopped going to church.
2: And, um, I I believe when he was like 17 or 18, um, after my grandmother's funeral, I was intrigued and fascinated by the church. Um, and so
1: I, I asked at that time, I was, I was kind of investigating churches. I asked my dad if I could go to, um, go to the, the Latter-day Saint Church, the local Latter-day Saint Church with him. And he was obliged and, um, and missionaries there came up to me and asked if, if they could, I don't know how they phrased it, if they could hang out or, or stop by or something. I thought it was just going to be like hanging out or, or something. Um, I was almost 16 at the time. They were 18, 19 um but it was it was a lesson um the first time they came over was a lesson and um i remember it vividly uh them giving me a book of mormon and asking me to read and pray about it um that was in 2010 and um i did and that night um I never remember uh, used to remember my dreams. I I couldn't recall anything from them that night. I read and prayed about about the Book of Mormon, and I had the most exquisite, vivid dream um, in which my best friend at the time came to me in the dream and and told me I would join the Church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints, and I would serve a mission for the Lord. and I woke up remembering it in its entirety. Um, that was before smartphones, but I had an iPod and I re- uh, recorded my dream on audio recording on my iPod, which I still have to this day. Um, the audio recording, not the iPod. Um, and um, I worked on, on the process of, and
2: the understanding in order to be baptized into the church. I had to meet with church leaders before I could be baptized um, with with the mission president, bishop, I believe the stake president, um, which was hard because it was based on a, a baptismal question. Um, and I felt like I was being treated differently or
1: that my path to baptism was was more difficult than similar people, um,
2: my age that that were heteronormative um, My prayer before
1: getting baptized was that by me coming closer to Christ and showing him my dedication, um, that he would make me straight. And I remember that being frequently my prayer um,
2: and frequently the focus of discussion with with
1: the bishop that I had at the time um, and the mission president, um, I was baptized um, on June 2nd, 2010, and
2: um, at f- I was 15, I turned 16 a month later, and um,
1: then my path began um, in the church I love the church. I love service. Even before I joined the church, I love service. I had been, um, in boy Scouts, um, in Cub Scouts and boy Scouts throughout my life outside of the church before I, I knew of the church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints. And I continued, um, my involvement with, with that non-church affiliated, um, boy scout group. Um, To my dismay, though, after being baptized, I was not straight. Um, and this was a, an internal struggle for me. At this time, um,
2: I hadn't really come out to anyone. Um, the only people in the universe that I had spoken um, to were... Not
1: by my choosing, but by requirement for me to be baptized, mission president,
2: and my bishop. And um, I think a part of it was a part of me telling myself, and
1: also maybe not directly, but
2: my church leaders alluding to that if I continued down the path and immersed myself fully into the church that I would be rewarded with being straight. Um, That started with baptism.
1: And then a week later, I received the gift of the Holy Ghost. I thought that would do it um i I work towards receiving the ironic priesthood, thinking, surely I'll be made straight, and this crucible that I'm carrying will be lifted from me. this weight um, that later went on to me attending the temple with with my youth with the youth and and um my youth groups and Led me on my own to seeking out conversion therapy camps. And I've always been kind of, even in my youth and in my teenage years, an ambitious person. I feel. Um,
2: Looking back, it makes me laugh that a 16 year old would
1: find a way to make money and book their own flights around the country to go to conversion therapy camps, um, and sign up for registrations. Um, but that's what I did because I felt like that's what I I needed to do. I felt like I had, I, I
2: could stop at nothing, um, And eventually, I
1: I came to the conclusion I had to come out to at least my at least my father. Um, there was no way I was going to be able to. One, we we lived in the middle of nowhere, um, four hours from the nearest airport. So there was it, it was going to be near impossible for me to you know travel across the country without my, my parent knowing and missing school and such. Um, so I came out to my dad. Um,
2: I was 16. I remember it like it was yesterday. Um, due to
1: subtleties and comments and windows throughout my childhood, I thought he was going to be the one that would take it the hardest. Um, My father travels for work, and I timed it perfectly. I wrote him an email. Um, I knew he was in a board meeting um, one night in another state, and I sent him an email. Um, It took about three paragraphs for me to just get to the point. Um,
2: But I I remember. Him emailing me back, and I'm glad. And now that I look back, I'm I'm
1: glad that I had done it via email, um, and that he had emailed me back. All he said was that he had been in a board meeting um, or a dinner meeting or something that night, and just stared at his iPad the whole time and couldn't really focus on anything but this email and um and in his re-
2: reply was all he said was that it, how much he loved me and that that he didn't know what this meant but his love was unwavering and that he wanted me to know that that was powerful to me. And, uh, he got home
1: a, a couple nights later and uh, I never told him, but it, I heard him walking up the stairs and, and I turned, I had actually packed my suitcase in my closet and, um, cause I, th- I thought I was surely going to be moving out of the house. Um, and I heard him walking up the stairs and I turned over in my bed to face away from the door and and pretend to be
2: asleep and he walked in and said I don't know if you're asleep or awake but I love you with all my heart and it's all going to be okay and then he shut the door and I remember just staying up and Crying and just in awe by the capacity of love that this man possesses.
1: But, um, with that, I, I, I did end up going to conversion therapy camps. Um, some of them well, none of them made me straight. some of them were of um, benefit in making connections and and kind of understanding myself and such um and so that didn't work. I thought uh, I'll go to b y u that'll make me straight and um and then i ended up getting my endowments and thinking okay i'm like pretty much at the pinnacle like what more do i need to do um i knew i from that dream from day one i i knew that i wanted to serve a mission um and help people um but i was still
2: i was still devastated and frustrated that I was not feeling fully embraced or accepted in
1: this gospel that I love so much and was willing to give anything and everything for. Um, I did serve a mission. I was, I was called to a, a Spanish speaking mission in southern california and i've heard this kind of expressed by others that i've spoken to um the the promise and reward of if i serve a mission god's gonna make me straight like that's i give this and this is what i get um and um the mission was an incredible experience. There are I have wonderful memories and I have great love for the members and the individuals that were um, interested in the church and for um, a number of of the missionaries and church leaders that I interacted with. But for the most part, it was an extremely painful experience. Um, from day one, I was blindsided the day I got to the MTC. Um, I thought it was going to be this spiritual high and
2: camaraderie. And um, instead, internally, it was mostly met with torment. Um,
1: I, I dealt with nightmares in the MTC, torment of just, even though I was worthy to serve, feeling unworthy um, due to be being surrounded 24-7 by
2: Elders, missionaries, my age, and um, and also uh, being one of the few converts of
1: the church, um, in my in my MTC group, my co- cohort, um, I was, to my memory, the only only convert um, within our our zone. Um, I had health illness. My appendix actually ended up bursting when I was in the MTC about two weeks into the MTC. And I had to have an appendectomy. I had to have a, my appendix removed um, at the hospital um, in Provo. And I remember waking up to my, my MTC companion not being with me and freaking out kind of. Um, and feeling alone um i had no family around here i had uh, around provo and around the mtc my m- mission companion was back at the mtc while i was in the hospital for a couple of days and i just remember feeling trapped i remember feeling so conflicted because i had such a love for the savior and for the gospel and a desire to to share
2: that with other people. But the internal struggle I was dealing with and feeling like
1: I was an imposter or unwelcomed or that I was not living an authentic life. Um, not even an authentic life,
2: just not being an an authentic me um, ate at me. Um, I, looking back, I wanted to leave the mission. Um, I didn't
1: necessarily want to go home, uh, Southern Missouri. I just wanted to go anywhere but there. Um, whether that was a career, whether that was a full time calling in the church or, or going to school, um, or going back to my parents' house, I just wanted to be anywhere but where I was at that was causing me so much internal anguish and pain. Um, and i had joy though um that while i was while i was in the mtc my father ended up sending me a letter saying that um he had started coming back to the church um having left when he was 17 decades prior and um that him and my stepmom had gotten married, and um, that he was coming back into full fellowship of the church by doing so, and um, yeah, and that he was that he was eager to to serve in some capacity in the church.
2: Um, I did feel I feel trapped in the MTC though, and and then going to the mission field um at at first i had
1: great confidence in my in my ecclesiastical leaders in my church leaders and and i love them dearly um i was still surrounded by by elders that we call companions um and that that word makes me think that we That missionaries call each other companions um, because it's it's the same word that we use, you know, in in marriage, and
2: um, that is used all the time in the church of in fast
1: and testimony meetings, and in talks, and in general conference addresses. Companion, Um, I. I had so much love for these missionaries, um, especially my companions, but I felt like I could not express that love um, so much just brotherly
2: Christ-like love for them, but always a weight and a. Oh. weight and just a fog and
1: just darkness surrounding me that if i and a fear that if i express to my companions my compassion and love and caring for them that that would give my secret away that that would expose me and that our companionship would go from being one of unity or compassion
2: to one of discomfort and disgust towards me,
1: um, and a disconnect of unity. So I, I um, I distance myself from my companions.
2: In many ways, to the extreme, um, and I'm regretful of that. Um, it, it's been ten
1: years, but I I regret the links that many times were subconscious that I went to to distance myself from companions.
2: Um, that caused animosity and strife and pushing away the spirit. Um, Some of the more painful experiences though on my mission included less favorable individuals, Um, myself being hazed by regrettably missionaries in extreme ways. Um, My um, personal journals gone through and messages to the church counselor gone through and eventually um A missionary sending to
1: the entire mission that I was gay and that I was companions with them on our preparation day. Um, I w- i was I was told that that email was intended for the individual's parents. Um, but it was clearly there last email sent to the masses um wow yes it was i would say that was one of if not the worst day of my mission because here i am this was before smartphones and and missionaries had iPads and this and that we were sitting next to each other in a library in southern california And I am getting an email from, uh, or actually multiple emails from missionaries in the mission forwarding me what my elder and my companion six inches from me just sent to everyone. Um, And then realizing I am still sitting next to this person and I have to stay next to them and i I can't leave them. Um, so I left my I, I dealt with <laughs> immense <laughs> depression, anxiety on my mission, um, to the point that i was I was physically ill. Um, it was causing me harm. and um I so I decided to come home. I was finally able to admit. I need to get out of here, at least for a time to heal. And so I went home, and I I thought my time at home was going to be short and brief. That was the hope. Um, I was left with a with a void, which many um, understand after coming home from a mission that you go from this spiritual high and every minute of your day being planned out for you um and focused on the savior to not and um the natural man seeks for ways to fill that void and um uh, i was i was home longer than than anticipated um but I, I did return. Um, before I returned, I had,
2: I had been asked before I decided to leave the mission to to recommend who I would
1: want to be my, my mission companion um, in a means of preventing me from going home and, and helping me to be more comfortable in the field. Um, I still end up coming home. Um, I re- kept weekly communication with all of my church leaders and men, and many of my, um, past companions in the mission. Um, but when it was time for me, I was getting ready to go back on in the mission field. I had recommended to one of my church leaders, um, a missionary i'd previously served with that I that him and i were very close and um i felt like we were brothers there was such a platonic love and christ-like love i recommended for us to be companions um once i returned
2: and i was rebuked um harshly um I thought that was the
1: end of it. A couple of weeks later, I was, I was called by a church leader into his office, super excited thinking that I was going to get, I was getting my plane ticket to go back to the mission and instead was being told that one of my church leaders, the church leader, I recommended my, um, having, um, one of my past mission companions be companions again, that, that church leader had um, essentially reported me um, without having ever talked to, talking to me um, that, that church leader had reported me for
2: having a sexual relationship with this elder. Um, I was completely, just in shock
1: and devastation my first um my first comment was that elder is straight um so how is this happening and then i was told no that elder has same-sex attraction like you and you were companions It was such a devastating blow to to have a church leader accuse me of something such as that
2: when I can I have a a clean conscience that I
1: every minute that I was a missionary, set apart as a missionary, I was serving the Lord and I was even though I was suffering and in pain and possibly uh, as a result, um, dealing with my own internal struggles, I lived a worthy mission and I know that. And, and for a church leader that I had so much respect and love for, accused me of something before ever talking to me was just absolutely devastating.
2: And I remember at leaving that meeting I couldn't think about myself the only thing i could think about i was i sat
1: in my car for an hour sobbing and crying all i could think about was that on the other side in the mission field this elder that i had so much love and compassion for was having the same conversation while he was serving the lord with all his heart and all his mind
2: and strength and that he didn't deserve this and how all i could think about was how much pain he was going to go through
1: that he did not deserve and how distracting from the work of the lord this was going to be for him um I later found out that he he was never he was he never had a meeting he he was never told and he was never talked to um, which I'm immensely actually grateful that that never happened because that would have um, been absolutely horrible to experience in the field um, but eventually um, I did go back to the field um, shortly after that. Um, there was no more discussion about that accusation. Um, but looking back, that was the first crack in my faith. And that was the first, what I viewed on a, on a higher level, a church inflicted trauma. That was the first crack in, in the glass. And, but I did return to my mission and, um, I felt like I had something to prove, not to myself. Uh, I knew I didn't need to go back, but I felt like so much gossip had had spread throughout the mission after that, old, after that companion's email when I was in the field. And then even more so while I was home for four or five, six months that I was, um, I felt like I had something to prove. Um, by going out there, and I definitely felt like I had something to prove to that church leader um, that I'm still going to go back to the field and you're not going to stop me um, from uh, from doing what i what I want to do um, The immense depression came back when i when I returned to the field um, and i didn't I didn't stay very long i, I was I believe, back in Southern California for like four or five months um, but i I felt like i had I had done what I had come there to do, and that Christ had another chapter for me, and um, I was kind of just at a crosswords that across roads that, um, I had two choices either to
2: leave the mission or leave life. And it was that point, it was to the point that I, I didn't want to, you know, take my own life, but I was hoping that while we were riding
1: bikes, a car would hit me or or something of that sort, um, that it wouldn't need to be my decision, but that I would be put out of my misery. Um, but fortunately I, I chose the prior choice of, of leaving the mission, um, and not life. And, um,
2: and immediately went to BYU. Um, I'm just reading I have I have a kind of an outline
1: that I'm reading and um I I went to BYU excited for this new chapter of life. Um I was ecstatic. I I was my 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 whole family's not um Latter-day Saints. Uh, and um my stepmom and I call Utah the mothership. <laughs> like um and I was excited to go to the mothership. I was um being surrounded by people that shared my faith. And I love temple work. I was addicted to genealogy work. I was like the only, I was a convert in, in my family. And so I was the only one doing genealogy work uh, and there was a lot to do. And I was just so excited to be going to BYU. Um, At this time, I felt more worthy than ever. Um, But I also felt the pressure soon as um, soon after I arrived at BYU, the pressure of getting married and being straight, and um, this this had a, a lot of weight. And um, I, I try to focus on my studies, uh, but I I did date women, and I would, and I had a good time with with many of the women I went on dates with. I became very close to um to a to a young lady that I'm still close with and good good friends with, and she's traveled to kansas city and and visited me and I've uh, traveled to to visit with her and we still stay in contact with um, but this this pressure eventually ended up making me feel like I had to compensate for something and and I was a I, I was at times dishonest with
2: myself um, and telling myself
1: more wishful or hopeful thinking than was reality. Um, I think we all do that to some extent. If when we have a crush or or in the initial stages of dating, we um, we tend to see further in the future than what is right in front of us and be extremely hopeful. And, um, I did this to an unhealthy level and, and thinking that I was, I was going to get sealed in the temple. I was going to be straight. I was going to have the white picket fence in the perfect Latter-day Saint life. Um, but at the same time i i did re- know that i was attracted to to men and and i became good friends with a roommate and we went to we we did everything together we went to jazz games together and church and the temple and this and that um and but i i confided in this roommate this friend and thinking that my um uh, that he would be accepting of my attraction to men, and I prefaced that I was still active in the church and planning to stay in the church and worthy. And he said that my um, that I had that that he would keep this information in confidentiality. I woke up um, two or three nights later in the middle of the night on January. 15th of 2015 being removed from my apartment by this same roommate and my other roommates and being told I was no longer welcome in my apartment. um, I had only lived in this apartment from, uh, I came back from my mission and, Late October of 2014, and had only been in this apartment um, for two or three months. Um, But I was told by my roommates that they had spoken to our local church leader, and that our local church leader had advised them that in order for the spirit to reside in their dwelling, in their home, that myself and the wickedness of myself needed to be removed that they could have the spirit in their home and these are three rms these are three return missionaries um and i i resisted um i resisted being thrown from my home um but unsuccessful um i i remember wandering um in uh,
2: around provo trying to find my car in january in the snow um and feeling so ashamed because i was
1: wandering the streets in my sacred garments and
2: with no clothes,
1: no family, and no one to turn to, and no friends. Um, because I had just come back to BYU. All my friends were either in Missouri or they were still on their missions. Um, and I reached out to that church leader early, in, uh, immediately that, that morning, three in the morning. And, and telling him what had happened... And him responding to me immediately telling me instead of that he was going to drive 10 blocks to help me for me, rather to set up an appointment with his executive secretary to meet in a week. And I reported these, these roommates. And it backfired more than I would have ever guessed. Um, I reported them to BYU. All said and done, they were allowed to stay at BYU. And I saw them years later um, at BYU when visiting. Um, They were allowed to stay. All said and done, I was evicted from my apartment, unable to find housing because of the eviction
2: on my record, homeless. I was not expelled, but I was not
1: permitted to enroll in the next semester at BYU. I was fired from my job at BYU. My, um, My process of becoming a Provo temple worker was severed. I was released from my callings. I tried to stay in Utah and be surrounded by Latter day Saints. I was still holding out that there was a place for me in Zion and in the church. And I was trying to transfer to. UVU or the U of U. And I don't think I would have had a problem getting in with academics. Um, but BYU would not release my transcripts. They wouldn't release my transcripts. I, I couldn't, I never got an answer why. Um, and so in order for me to, to kind of, get my life back on track, I had to, I had to, um, get involved with legal action and mostly just so I wasn't homeless, mostly just so I could apply to live in an apartment and be accepted. Um,
2: this blew up even further because, um, because it ended up being, in local and
1: somewhat national news articles, um, uh, scouts for pay- newspapers ended up getting a hold of the records at at the um, county courthouse. And I remember just every day telling myself, it's, it's you know, the church is true. It, it, the people are, you know, some people, there's some bad apples and, what, what we tell ourselves of, you know, it's not
2: everyone and it's not about the people, it's about the church, it's about the gospel. And it ended up being in the
1: paper. I went from having um, about 1500 friends and being very social, very active in the church to my story being in the BYU paper, my entire ward getting a hold of it at BYU and stake missionaries and this and that and going from 1500 Facebook friends, which I, you know, isn't a a true indicator of, of friendship, but within a week, 1500 Facebook friends to 300 friends of people blocking me and deleting me because I, um, just attempted to get my life back on track um, at this point, I was just in so much pain um, and I was planning on suicide um i i I had specifics I had already planned everything out, the date and everything um I, and I just felt super isolated living in Utah without friends or family. And um, and then in November of 2015, the church ended up banning the baptisms of children of LGBTQ individuals. And this was um, the final straw. And I knew I, I needed to get out of Utah. Um, and the church. Um, Otherwise, I I wasn't going to to live much longer. Um, At this time, my dad has returned to full fellowship. Um, When I came home from my mission, I ended up escorting him through the temple for his endowments. I ended up giving him the Melchizedek priesthood. Um, And I ended up, um, I believe, possibly setting him apart as young men's president he ended up becoming young men's president while i was dealing with all this in in utah and at byu he was young men's president and i remember telling uh, telling him i needed to move back and him i think they had like a a young men's like camp or something, high adventure it was, it was high adventure or something like that. And him saying that he couldn't help me move out because he was with the young men that weekend and just feeling like,
2: okay, this is it. Like my, the church is more important than me. And Feeling isolated,
1: and I reached out to his bishop, and and implored him to release my dad as Young Men's president. He and he didn't. Um, but I ended up moving, moving to Kansas City and starting a new life. Um, and my life was filled with happiness and joy. I had this huge weight off my shoulders. Um, I did request my records and my covenants to be annulled um in um april of 2016 um after the banning of of the banning the baptisms of children um of LGBTQ individuals but i moved to Kansas City and started a new life and it was filled with such happiness um i made so many friends and became so social again Um, like I had been before my mission and I was just met with, with incredible success in, in every facet of my life, both stability and, um, and no longer having to worry about housing or (laughs) providing for myself or what I was going to eat to, um, Academic success and and doing so well in school um, and I developed hobbies and interests, one of them being skydiving. Um, I got into skydiving um, when I was eighteen and um, i had done a i did a tandem for my eighteenth birthday um, and never thought anything else of, you know, it was incredible, but I, I had no plans of doing it again. Um, went on my mission and such and, and then had the opportunity to get into skydiving and learn that it was a hobby and not just a one-time thing and that I could be good at it and, and possibly make money doing it. Um, and so I, I got into skydiving and, um, this brought me such community. It's a very tight knit community, uh, um, skydivers and, uh, loving and compassionate. And I've, I've never met such a group of Christ-like individuals as, as skydivers. And, um, it brought me peace. Um, I felt, I felt like I could forget my studies and my worries of life and just be one with god and nature and the universe when i when i was free falling and um and so with that i i felt like that hobby of skydiving and and also um I began traveling quite a bit, um, brought me closer, brought me in some ways, um, close to God. And, and I feel like that's what I was seeking. I, I want to understand all of God's children wherever they live. And, and I've been afforded the opportunity to, to see so many cultures,
2: all over the world um and and just see that no matter
1: where we live or what we're doing we're all just trying to find happiness and
2: purpose and and that's beautiful and um i'm grateful for that um
1: over these years that I wasn't in the church i I was able to
2: come to know myself and and I did fall in love and and um with with a gentleman and um, it was pure and it was. yeah it was just uh, the level of
1: compassion and humility and sacrifice that I had for him and he had for me was completely contrary
2: to what I had grown up being taught or what society had taught me um, it it was It was what
1: many people in the church, how they talk about their relationships with their, um, you know, opposite sex partners. Um, I ended up having a skydiving accident, um, just not being in the right headspace um, a couple of years ago, and ended up breaking my leg and my back and was this ended up
2: delaying, um, delaying a lot of things in life for me. Um, but
1: I had this, this individual by my side um, at the time and took care for me. Um, my, my ex boyfriend and he just showed such love and um even though we're no longer together and and we don't talk anymore um i just am forever in his debt um for what he did for me and taught me and taught me about myself and and life and um i'm grateful for that um i've always
2: loved serving and <sighs> That that has kind of led me to to the career
1: of dentistry, as, alongside uh, that I had oral cancer um, when I was when I was fourteen, and um, my healing process after my skydiving accident was long and arduous, and um, I just wanted to get back to serving. Um, serving my patients and, and helping people in any way I could. I, um, and eventually I, I, um, I was out of dental school for a year, but I ended up returning to dental school, um, to finish up dental school last May. And then I'll graduate, um, next year, 2024 in May. Um, I had never planned on coming back to church. Um, for a long time, I questioned whether there was a God as a real result of my skydiving accident and the humility it brought me. Um, I, I had to turn to something higher than myself and, and that was God. And, um, as a result of, of me being delayed in dental school, I was placed in a new um, cohort of students, a new, um, graduating class. And, um, I, all my friends had, had graduated and gotten their dental licenses and moved across the country and they're living their best lives. And I kind of had to figure out where I fit in, in my career and, in life, um, in a, what started out as me just trying to make friends um i started uh, attending a, a bible study of dental students of um male, um uh, a men's group of dental students um in kansas city and um for for con uh, scheduling conflicts and reasons we needed to find a new place to have the Bible study. And I volunteered my home, um, for this, um, weekly Bible study. Um,
2: this had such a change in my heart towards God and religion, Christianity,
1: um, to have these men in my home and, and us talking about the savior and his ministry um, really touched my heart. And um, even though they're of different faiths, everyone, most of them are individually of different faiths. um, There was a a central just message
2: of love and understanding. And um, I ended up, Being drawn back
1: to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints Um, over these years,
2: I've been blessed with one of the most incredible friendships and the love of
1: one of the the best people I know, my friend, Michael.
2: Um, And... we've been friends friends through
1: it all and through me questioning the church to hating the church with passion and then returning to the church um i my journey back and to being rebaptized started in february of this year just a, a few months ago um i Planned a trip to visit my friend Michael, um, with the intention of him and I just talking about the church, and me. And I told him that beforehand. I said, "I'm. Uh, we'll have fun together and, and and such." But
2: the the purpose of the trip was for me to. to kind of gain an understanding or, or f- figure out where I was at and whether this was for me and, and I was kind of middle of the road. Um, but I just wanted to share how powerful
1: allies are Um I have been blessed by allies um, that have been in my life for for many years and have just gone above and beyond to show their support for myself and other LGBTQ individuals, such as my friend Michael and a friend, um, Zach, that is from my mission that I never even served around. Um, we weren't even in the same language um, we met after, after the mission. Um, and this incredible family, the Hershey's, um, that I've come to love and be a part of. Um, they, they call me their adopted son, like I'm their fifth child. And um, just the power of allies. Um, If someone's an ally out there and they they think that they don't have this isn't their platform or this isn't they don't want to stand in the way of others, that's not true. That
2: there's someone out there that needs them and their effect is stronger than they'll ever know. Um. They're not just of support. It's it's just I can call up hundreds of individuals that are LGBTQ and we can talk about these
1: things um, but to find an ally that has a life that is comfortable heteronormative uh, of course they have um, their own trials and struggles, but for them to to come from that space and still be willing to listen and still be willing to help
2: is indescribable and invaluable. Um, along this journey,
1: all uh, more than anything, is my overwhelming feeling of God's love and that god and christ are they're pure love um having uh, um, prepared myself for medical school for dental school and such i i am very analytical and scientific and i just think of my of the universe that you know when we're resurrected and we're changed in some way and as Christ has been resurrected, if there's if there is an element out there, like a periodic table of elements, element out there called love, then Christ and God are
2: made one hundred percent of it. They're that's all they're made of. Um, and
1: i've I've felt that um, in Recent months, um, God has gone out of his way to show me that he knows me, that I'm not just one in um, billions. I ended up looking up the other day of how many people have existed on this planet, hypothetically, since the beginning, and it's like 116 billion, while there's only 8 billion living right now. Um, But God loves and knows each one of us, even out out of that many, and even out of the possibility that there's people
2: not on earth. Um, He knows us perfectly and he loves us. And I've had so many experiences in in recent months. Um,
1: Also, just to, to touch on... The effect and the power of loving and accepting missionaries. Um, I have been able to become very good friends with um, the missionaries in my ward um, in Kansas City recently. Um, and some of them
2: have come and gone um, To, to see this, these 18, 19 year old teenagers, they, they are teenagers, um, to
1: put their lives aside to serve the Lord and His children, and then for them to.
2: Show such compassion and love um, is indescribable and has been a healing opportunity for myself Um, after a lot of pain endured at the hands of of missionaries
1: 10 years ago um, while I was a missionary. But missionaries that that love unconditionally um maybe they won't they won't see their actions to fruition, but it has an effect that is indescribable and profound and lasting and um, has been one of the the greatest blessings recently um I've also been able to heal by the love of local leaders. Um, recently, um, the love of a bishop and lay leaders that that aren't necessarily trained in in these topics or or counseling or um, what have you, but are still willing to listen and discuss things um, that sometimes are out of their comfort zones um, has been a huge blessing and um, a, a healing aspect of, of the recent times. Um, and also... <sighs> seeing the silver linings and things that don't necessarily go as planned. um, There was a a fireside, an LGBTQ fireside that was planned in, in my um, area. And um, I was looking forward to it immensely, but it was canceled um, for,
2: um, for reasons that I won't discuss, but, um it it's cancellation caused me to ask questions looking back i i'm almost certain that had everything gone as planned i would have ar- arrived
1: at the fireside i would have not sat in the front but not sat in the back and i i would have taken my notes and and um been appreciative of it but I would have gone home and gone about my life and
2: and that would have been the end of it um but I would have felt um I I wouldn't have I definitely wouldn't have reached out to the any speakers or
1: or anything like that um uh, with the feeling like I was imposing on their time or or um distracting them from from something or someone a discussion with someone else, um, but by its cancellation, I wanted to I wanted answers, and I and I had questions, and I wasn't I just had this burning desire to get the answers that I needed, and I I wasn't afraid to ask them, and I wasn't afraid to seek them out as hard or as long as I needed to, to get my answers, um, to the point of requesting audiences with general authorities. And, um, I had choked with the missionaries, but I said, if I have to, I'll go all the way up to the president. Um, and if he doesn't give me the answers I need, then I'll set up a meeting with Christ in the temple. Um, if I have to, um, but just this experience um, has has strengthened my testimony, and also kind of set a set a foundation and a realization for the future that if I do have questions in the future, which I'm sure I will, that to never settle that um, that your questions are, that everyone's questions
2: are valid concerns are valid and um and that your salvation is important and that you have to do what you need to to, to um be at peace and um I'm
1: I feel like I'm more willing to do that now going forward. Um, I've just been surrounded by so many spiritual experiences in recent months. Meeting with um, meeting with past church leaders that I was able to reconcile with um, the church leader that accused me and reported me of sexual relations with a missionary. Um, I was able to. Reach out to this church leader
2: and and um, kind of refreshes memory of what happened, and he was just filled with such um, he was so apologetic, so humble and loving and um that has helped me heal from
1: what I viewed as, as the first first church inflicted trauma that I experienced um, healing by, by establishing connections with my local church leaders. Um, Due to me seeking answers, I, I was able to meet with three, um, General authorities in in a week span. Um, that was the week before my baptism, and
2: somehow um, having the opportunity to to meet an apostle, um, I
1: I was contacted that um, an apostle was was traveling to. My small hometown in the middle of nowhere, four hours from the nearest city and um, reaching out. I reached out in the middle of the night to the, the local leadership, not expecting anyone to read my messages or hear um, hear from, from anyone. And um, One of the church leaders ended up responding to me at like three in the morning. Um, And responded to me kind of giving a synopsis of me, what I had gone through, and that I was coming back
2: to church. Um, I was able to, to hear
1: this apostle speak. And until recently, I'd never heard of the term restoration of blessings. I always thought that, and I served a mission and I was a convert and I dove very deep into doctrine. And um, I still, to my knowledge, had never heard of this term restoration of blessings. I thought that my process of coming back to the church would be I got baptized again, I got confirmed again, I went to the temple again, everything again. Um, This apostle ended up getting up. And prefacing to the, the congregation that most of us have probably never heard of such a thing, but his greatest honor or calling in life is performing the restoration of blessings. And I felt like he was, I was like in the second row and I felt like he was just Looking at me the entire talk, um, I'm bawling, sobbing, trying not to make audible noises um, from how just completely over overwhelmed by the Spirit and God's love. Um, but yeah, he spoke on the restoration of blessings, and then I, after after that, um, I was able to have more private um
2: private spiritual experiences and and came to find out that that talk was i felt for specifically for me um it was it was just christ and god showing me that they do know me
1: out of the billions and possibly trillions of of people, and that's what I needed, and and it was such a blessing. Um, I'm I'm uplifted and grateful for all these experiences that that prepared me for baptism. Um, and so I I was baptized, rebaptized, um, into the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints on um, June tenth. Um, By my friend, Michael, um, who I've been friends with since we met at an EFY over a decade ago um, when we were teenagers. And um, it was the most beautiful day I've ever experienced. It was so simple. I didn't tell really anyone that I was getting baptized. Um, I didn't invite anyone. Um, I wanted to figure this out for myself and I didn't really want anyone outside of the church giving their bias or swaying me away. Um, and I didn't want anyone in the church kind of pressuring me on. Um, I also knew I wanted to keep it small because I just wanted to focus on the spirit and the love of the Savior,
2: and I didn't want it to turn into an event or me to feel pressured that
1: everything need to be a, cert- a perf- be perfect or or feel rushed that I need to to meet and greet every everyone that attended so. Um, it was very small. Um, there were originally the the plan was that it was just going to be myself and him. And then I was told I had to have witnesses of the baptism. And, um, so there was, um, there were like five of four of us, four or five of us. Um,
2: it was so beautiful. Um, just filled with raw emotion and, divine love, and just overwhelming
1: appreciation for the Savior
2: and the atonement and his understanding. Um, I, I, In the years that I have been away from the church, the eight years, there are only a
1: couple of things that could have brought me further away from the Savior.
2: Um, and I didn't think the atonement could help me. I I didn't see how it could, could reach so low. Um, And yet it did. And because of that, my appreciation for
1: covenants and baptism and the savior and the atonement was exquisite on the day of of my rebaptism. Um I just <laughs> testify of the, the Savior's love and understanding for all of his children. Um, he loves the diversity of his children, and he wants to include
2: them all. Um, that, that all are welcome and,
1: and all are loved equally no matter where they come from or what they've done, what they've done against him or themselves or other of God's children or what they've done for the church, he loves them all equally.
2: And um, I feel blessed now to, to have the experience of being gay. And I never
1: thought I would say those words. Um, For most of my life, I viewed it as a curse, as a torment, um, at various times, coming from different sources, whether that be God or the devil or what have you, to feeling like it was a trial to to strengthen me, or to refine me,
2: something to be endured. And now I I know with surety that it's a blessing, that it has
1: put me on paths that I would have never chosen for myself, um, that I don't think anyone would choose for themselves. Um, sometimes harder paths, but
2: paths that would connect me with individuals and
1: understanding that I would have never gained
2: had I not been gay. Um and I'm just I I owe that understanding to the savior and to God. And now I feel I feel like I've been given
1: so many experiences and so much life experience and and connections that I owe all to God. Yeah, I feel like I've barely barely touched the surface of what he has in store. What I do know is that He loves everyone, and I feel like He has this marvelous and and great work for me to do, not for myself, but for Him, Um, and especially to help the youth, His literal brothers and sisters and, and the children of our Heavenly Parents, especially the youth to to know that they are loved to know that they are accepted and more than that that they are they're wanted they're not just loved for for being here and they're wanted and desired and sought after we're seeking for them um and i just hope that i can i can do this work justice and. Be guided by the Spirit that as it progresses, I may stay humble and
2: understand that this isn't my work. This is Christ's. And all the glory goes to Him. We have a lot to do and, and, whatever I can do to help expand the tent, expand this, the the
1: borders of Zion, and so all feel like they are
2: welcome and have room to breathe in this tent we call home. Um, That is my prayer. (laughs) And I don't know where
1: life will take me, where Christ will take me, or my own feet will take me. All I know is where I'm at now. And I am happy. More happy than ever. And I feel like I have more purpose than ever. Serving, both during the day in my career of helping individuals in my career of dentistry and and bringing peace and
2: comfort to those that I serve in that capacity and and also
1: outside of my career within the church and outside the church.
2: we're all God's children, not just the ones in the church. And I hope that all of God's children,
1: especially the LGBTQ youth, know they are loved. And that's all I have to say. Andrew, um...
0: I'm just, oops, listeners, let me get my volume right. <laughs> I'm just so deeply moved. And I know there's a lot of listeners that are deeply moved and will reach out to you. And um, there's everyone that reaches out to you. There's probably a thousand that feel the same way. This is, this is just sacred ground for you to share your story on this platform about your journey. Is your sacred ground spirit that I feel we, you know, I tears in my eyes a couple times during the podcast and, um, you're really spiritually mature. You've navigated incredibly complicated, complex things and you've come back to the church and, you know, listeners, there's some things that I wrote down that may be the same ones <laughs> you wrote down. I love this idea that your old self and the old, School of thought was you'd be rewarded for being straight. You said that earlier in the podcast. And then I wrote down what you said at the end of the podcast. Um, Now I'm at the blessing of being gay. What a 180 that is. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I love that. And I love that you grew up in a heteronormative world with lots of negative things being said about gay people. And it's pretty logical you'd want to be straight and um everybody i've met with wants to be straight but a lot of them get to where you are and you'll help other people see it this way the blessing of being gay and our world is better off with you being here andrew and you being gay um it's part of the needed beautiful diversity your life mission um including being gay i think accomplishes more for you and your life mission than being straight we need straight people. We need gay people. I'm not trying to elevate one over the other, but we need both. Mm-hmm. And you so beautifully articulate that in this long journey. I love your friends. I love Michael. I'm going to read their names just to make sure I get them right. This guy from Efy that's just been your friend and been willing to have these really hard conversations with you. And I and I sense just love you because you deserve to be loved. I sense his love wasn't to bring you back to the church. I sense his love was just, I love Andrew. He's a great human. I love Zach from your mission that was not connected to you at all, but just said, you know, I'm going to be his friend. I love the Hershey's that I know. And, and, and you're, um, thinking of allies. Um, I love some of these things you went through. Like I felt like it was an imposter and just the tension of wondering, you know, because you're not open Mm-hmm. and just being an imposter. The BY Experience listeners, my younger self would have challenged Andrew on that in the sense, Andrew, are you overthinking this? Was it really that bad? Or maybe you're just dramatizing? I, I apologize for my younger self's way of thinking because my current self would be, Andrew, I believe every word you told me. And, and I'm not going to give you some like, platitude that dismisses your pain like well they really didn't mean it or it was for your good or everybody was busy or everybody was trying to do the right thing and that's just kind of where we are i listeners i just invite us not to do that and just maybe you're better at this than i am is sit with andrew in the pain of that byu experience and the trauma plus your mission experiences and that's coming from a place that should be the most healing. You're vulnerable and you open up to somebody and then you open up again. It just leads to pain. And I could see why he become suicidal because you can't live without being authentic and being authentic just brings incredible pain. Um, and so, and I, the grace to go back to some of these people, not everybody can go back to everybody and you probably haven't gone back to everybody, but to reach, be willing to reprocess some of these things and see if things are better is really brave of you because it could just re-traumatize you. Um
1: it could, for sure.
0: But you've been really courageous and I don't know if you want to you, you. you obviously had just terrible experience at the BY Honor code. You told me before we went live you've had a new experience. I wanna, have. Do you want to share that?
1: Yes, I will. <laughs> um yeah, I have had a new experience that has has kind of overwritten the trauma and and been a, another healing opportunity. Um, I had the honor of reaching out to and, and meeting with um, a current administrator of, of BYU's Honor Code office, Ben Shalati, and meeting with him for some time. The day before I was rebaptized, stepping foot onto Brigham Young University was, was triggering of itself. And then to be in the BYU Honor Code office where I kind of was forced to spill and to share parts of myself that I was not ready to divulge yet um, and have it be such a place of trauma. Me being able to meet with uh, Mr. Shalati in that space and and seeing the change in the atmosphere brought me immense peace. And, And I expressed this to him when we met. Um that the honor code office has um and, and those present within it have have completely changed since I um, my encounters um, back in 2015 um, eight years ago, over eight years ago, and um and that brought me such joy. Um, It brought me such joy to see someone such as Ben Shalati in such a capacity, and um, there are countless of others like him that I could list by name and go on and on about, Um, and to see that that those above them have appointed them to such positions knowing that they are lgbtq
2: and latter-day saint shows to me that we haven't reached zion but we
1: have made progress even if sometimes
2: we take some steps back The church that I felt so unaccepted in 10 years ago
1: is not the same church today. And, and I owe that to individuals such as yourself, Mr. Shalati, and countless others um, for, for putting in the time and the effort and the
2: rejections at times um, to move this forward. Um, yes. You know, that is a, a change. And I I love that you,
0: you use this word, Andrew, Zion, a lot. And I like that you say we're not at fully Zion yet or we're not at the finish line. And I agree with that. We're better than we were 10 years, but there's still lot of pain in this space and i love zion and expanding the borders design and just all the visual imagery that you're sharing um the words that were shared to you you know i highly disagree with the justification for you being removed out of your apartment it's triggering probably to hear those the spirit can't reside in your home <laughs> And I might have said those 10 or 20 years, given what I knew at the time and where we were as a church and as a society. But the Spirit has been present in this podcast. The Spirit is present in your life um, in, in abundance. And your ability to help people fill the Spirit by sharing your own story of faith and courage and and rejection and reconciliation and using the atonement is really a remarkable a manifestation of the spirit. I love your line you just used. You are very articulate. So you come up with lines like it's overwritten the trauma. To go back in the honor code, not everybody needs to approach their trauma by revisiting the source of it. Because that can just be more traumatic. But... So there's boundaries but to go back and kind of know it was going to be a better experience I think you knew that but then yes. to overwrite that and to have a new experience um is really I'm not a therapist but it's helpful for me I love that you decided to do the baptism your way yeah you just didn't go rogue and not get church <laughs> a p- a permission so you obviously went through the the process to be baptized in the church um, but you did this in a way that was right for Andrew White. And isn't that cool? It sort of it helps me understand that you're just so self-aware and so spiritually mature that you don't have to do this other people's ways. It's a credit to you that you're just confident enough in who you are regarding every part of your story that you can do this baptism the right way for you. I thought that was just an insight, very insightful in who you are and I love you know, your local church leaders, your bishop, your stake president, three general authorities, Elder Rasband, and um, people that love you and see you, and no one invited you to, well, you're going to be re- rewarded with being straight if you get rebaptized. I assume that, that didn't ever come up.
1: No, that has not been mentioned yet, and I'm <laughs> quite happy that it has not.
0: So, and then you've got these missionaries that obviously know you're gay and they just love you yeah and they want you a part of the church, and they know you're better off and you know, there's openly gay serving missionaries. I got an email from an openly gay serving missionary that they're they're really brave. Not everybody needs to be open, but I recognize this is what's not possible for you. Um, but some companions are glad their are companions, not straight because they realize they can reach more people, and they can their combined life experiences. Um, help complement each other in a way to bring the gospel to more people and they're not all weirded out (laughs) uh, if that's okay language about like i would have been in my day, certainly um you couldn't even identify as gay on my mission i think we were back in the 80s and but i just recognize the progress we're making but you're helping us make the progress and the people you mentioned because you're brave enough to share your story and people listen to the story and that's proximity changes everything that's my journey is proximity was nice. listening to gay people and not listening to straight people tell me about gay people um you know listeners i just probably will think of more things i wanted to say <laughs> um but it's just a remarkable story you're also 29 you're not 49 doing this podcast and it's a credit to you that you have worked through Ever since you were five, I knew you were a little different. Um, Joining the church, going back to the mission that was difficult to you, going back to the church that was difficult. I think you've gotten yourself in just a remarkably stable spot emotionally and spiritually. Um, And professionally, you're in a great spot that makes the rest of your life possible. You have been, this isn't fair either. It's not like this is. I mean I don't know why this happens because there's 29-year-olds that haven't have been str- haven't sort of gone through the curveball experiences they f- they fit in and so life just comes naturally for them I don't want to dismiss their lives are easy but there's something that you've been stretched um in a way that I think allows you to heal more people I call that the wounded healer we read this quote a lot <laughs> um the wound, a minister's service will not be perceived as authentic unless it comes from a heart wounded by the suffering about which he speaks. The great illusion of leadership is to think others can be led out of the desert by someone who's never been there. It's not fair you've been in these deserts. You didn't choose the deserts. Um, unless maybe in the pre-earth life, you felt, and God, that you could help more people by being in these deserts. But society sort of puts you in these deserts, at least in mortality. But you're the wounded healer, Andrew. Your story on this podcast, what you're doing in Kansas City, what you're doing professionally, you will just heal people throughout your entire life. And it's not theoretical for you. It's not, and the scriptures are really good, it's not reading somebody else's story like Job and saying, apply it to you. It's, It's your story. And you don't want to be compared to Job, but in some ways, your story is like Job. But, you know, you're not 49 becoming the wounded healer. You're 29, and you just gave a bunch of younger queer Latter-day Saints perspective and hope for their future. And they may not have to go through, and allies and local leaders go through some of the trauma you have gone through. Listeners, um, I have a book coming out. I mentioned this to Andrew when we visited Um, It's a third book. It's called Listen, Learn, and Love, Building the Good Ship Zion. (laughs) I think it's kind of ironic that Andrew and I are using that same vocabulary. One of the chapters, it's written by Tanya Miller, who's an expert in healing from trauma, is called Ministering to Those with Church-Generated Pain or Trauma. Um, Andrew's podcast is terrific, but when that book comes out, if you're interested in more on this subject from a therapist's perspective, as well as talking about actual trauma. And she talks about capital T trauma, which is these one-time events. And you've had some of those that happened December. I love, you know, the date, December, what?
1: (laughs) Oh, um, I
0: mean, January,
1: January 15th.
0: So that's capital T trauma. Um, And I, even that date may still be triggering for you. Then there's lower T trauma, which is the drip, 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 On the forehead, you know, that they used to torture people. She writes about that and that's trauma too. And I think you've had both of those. Yes. And the drip drip may be just the comments that you get about gay people growing up. um, And you still wonder if you're going to get those. And so you separate yourself from the source of trauma, but you have a fundamental testimony of the church. And she talks about in that chapter, how to work through that. And it's an important chapter also for allies and local leaders and sort of validating this type of pain, even if we haven't experienced it. Um, So I want to, those are some thoughts I wanted to share listeners, but Andrew doesn't want to be called a hero. He doesn't want to be elevated in any language. He doesn't like this, but it's, it's really helpful what you've done coming on the podcast. And it's really remarkable your whole life and everything you've wanted to do is about helping other people. You've never talked about, I want to become a dentist because I want to be financially stable. I want to go on a mission because it'll help me somehow grow in the church, calling wise or open doors for me. Everything you've wanted to do, Andrew, is about helping other people. And your message is God loves everybody, and you know that, and you want everybody to feel that love, and you want everybody to feel accepted, um, supported, and understood. And that's that seems to be your heart and your desire anything you'd like to share in closing or anything i said that i didn't that you want to clarify that isn't quite
1: right (laughs) i don't think so i'm just um honored for this opportunity and i pray that it'll it'll help someone out there um that that christ and god have in mind
0: And that's what we'll just sign off with that. Andrew White and Richard Osler signing off from another
2: episode of Listen, Learn, and Love.